0: hello City church Bristol good morning uh, I had hoped to be with you uh, for one Sunday in late April but coronavirus got in the way as it has with so many other things so here I am today speaking to you um, via modern technology instead of in the flesh it's a little bit of a shame not to see you and I think we're all missing meeting together and saying hi to one another but As the Queen said, we'll meet again and uh, I'm sure one day, not too far in the future, I'll be able to be down with you and engaging more face to face. But this morning, we're going to be looking at a passage in the Gospels and we're going to be thinking about Jesus and about the way he has opened up heaven for all of us we're going to look at the open invitation and I'm going to base what I want to say around a parable Jesus told it's in Matthew 22 and I'm going to read it to you and it starts at verse 1 Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come but they refused to come Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention, went off one to his field, another to his business, and then the rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Now, this parable is straight from heaven. Jesus Christ is the son of God, part of the Trinity. He knows all about what's on God's heart, how God works and what God's plans are. So this is God's perspective about things, God's insight. God's wisdom. So it's very important that we understand it and take it seriously. Now, parables are powerful stories. They're not allegories. You're not supposed to find an explanation for every little bit. And that they tell usually one or two points very clearly and vividly, a bit like a cartoon or a bit like a just a vivid illustration. Um, And that's why this is told. This is told to make some powerful points clearly and graphically so that we understand fully what God is saying to us about heaven, about who he wants there, about what happens if you don't accept his invitation, all these big, big subjects. And we're going to look at them this morning. Although I could say many things, I'm actually going to focus on three. The first amazing truth is that the kingdom of God is described as a wedding banquet. Just let that sink in. Because people often think that Christianity is pretty miserable and that Christians are heavy and restricting and joyless. Sadly, the church has not always done well in this area. And I'm not surprised that people sometimes think that. The church has often given that impression. But actually, that is a long way from the truth. It's certainly not true of Jesus and what he says and does. Actually, Jesus loved parties. He was criticised by the Pharisees for moving with uh, publicans and sinners, as it's called, and, and, and celebrating with them. He, he was at a party at Matthew, the tax collector's house once, and they were very critical of it. And Jesus' first miracle, first miracle was at a wedding celebration and he turned 180 gallons of water into wine and it was the best wine. That's an interesting thing as well, isn't it? It indicates not a a, a meanness or restriction or a, a grumpiness about people enjoying themselves. Far from it. Actually, parties and wedding banquets are quite a significant picture of heaven and the kingdom of God. You will find them in the Old and the New Testament. If you're interested enough to look through and follow that through, you'll find that's absolutely true. It's quite a common metaphor for heaven. What does a wedding banquet tell us? It tells us about celebration, talks about joy. It's actually about eating and drinking, free usually. Um, And also all ages, I would say, mingling together, families having fun, laughing, dancing, sort of celebrating with a central couple who are uh, the ones we're all honouring and happy for. So there's a, a unity for us all around who's getting married. It has a lot of interesting aspects that, God is saying, this is giving you some idea what my kingdom's like and what heaven's like. It's an appropriate picture. Now, it is only a picture, but a picture is no good if it's totally irrelevant to what it's a picture of. So this is not totally irrelevant to heaven and the kingdom of God. Now, that for me is really exciting, that what I'm looking forward to when I'm with God, Jesus and when I'm with my father in heaven is something that will feel more like a wedding banquet a massive wonderful happy wedding banquet than it will some of the things that we sadly have often misunderstood about heaven you know that we're all floating around on a cloud with a harp I don't know where that comes from but I don't think that's a biblical picture or maybe it's all like one big church service nope that we're all like sitting singing all the time in rows no It's not a lecture theatre, it's not a debating society. I mean, it's none of those things. The best picture is a joyful wedding banquet, a wedding celebration without limits, lots of food, lots of wine, lots of friendship and no time limits on it either. So people can relax and enjoy being in the presence of one another in the presence of the bride and groom. The second amazing truth that we get from this parable is that God wants people to join him in his banquet. God is not trying to find ways to keep people out of heaven. God wants his house full. He loves people. God made people. He knows each one of us. He doesn't enjoy the concept of the death of anyone, the Bible says. He doesn't want people to be lost. He wants them to be found. He wants to have them in his presence. now. That comes through in this, this parable. The first group who ultimately turned down the invite, we'll get to that later. But the first group are invited three times. The king doesn't give up. He doesn't. The first time they reject, he doesn't say, oh, well, that's it. Forget it. One strike and you're out. No, they're asked three times and the king goes then even further when they reject the invitation. Let me read it to you again. He says to his servants, so go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. God wants his house full. That's his heart. That's clearly what comes through here. He wants his banqueting hall full of guests. There are there's plenty of room and everyone is welcome. So he sends out the invitation again and again. If we take it personally, he's seeking us. He's pursuing you. He's wooing you. He's saying, come to my wedding banquet, come back to me. It's in our interest to be with the King and to enjoy his banquet. But he actually goes to great lengths to get us there and invite us there. That's amazing grace. Just to say in passing for us who are already followers of Jesus, there's also an encouragement here and a sort of strategy that we're to be on the front foot inviting people into God's wedding banquet, into heaven, into the kingdom. And if we get some rejection and some people clearly don't want it, then just move on and find others. That's the whole thrust of this. Don't be locked in around the disappointment of the person who says no. Move on to others who will probably say yes. That's the model here. The king's servants go out and they say, everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Now, I love that that phrase, everything is ready. Everything's done. You don't need to do anything. Everything's ready for the wedding banquet. You can just accept the invitation. The Father, God the Father, is ready to receive you. The Son, Jesus Christ, has died and risen and provided a way, a new and living way into the presence of God. You can be cleansed from your sin and your guilt and your failure and your disaster. And you can be brought into the presence of God on the basis of what he's done, not what you've done, his performance, not your performance. The Holy Spirit is ready and waiting and eager to come in and renew you and change you and work in your life from the inside out. Everything is ready. Come. The key issue is, are you ready? Will you respond to his invitation? And I think at this moment it's important to understand the problem because it sort of comes through by implication here. So let me try and explain it. I've said already, God is not trying to find ways to keep people out of heaven, out of his presence. But men and women, all of us, you and me, have walked out on him. The Bible says we're sinners, we've we've done stuff that offends God and is often very, very bad for ourselves and certainly for other people. There's lots of mess around, there's lots of rebellion and sin. And that has resulted in a cloud of judgment, something that clouds our view of God. If you think of him like the sun, we just don't see it's dark black clouds between us and him. We have excluded ourselves. We are excluded from his presence. And we're on the outside and God wants to get us on the inside. And if you listen carefully to a few verses, which I'm just going to read from one chapter in the Bible, John chapter 3, you can pick that up. It's, I think, quite obvious, but it's an important point. We're on the outside. God wants to get us on the inside. Just listen. Famous verses. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There is a way not to perish. But that implication becomes a little clearer in this next one, which is the next few verses. 17, 18 of John 3. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Hear that. Didn't send him to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save, but he did need to save us. We do need a saviour. We stand condemned already. And one last one, which is the same chapter, actually, but is right at the end of John 3. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son, this is obviously Jesus again, the son will not see life for God's wrath Remains on them. Notice the phrase remains on them. We already have a problem. And God in his love has provided an answer to the problem. And we need to respond positively to his invitation. I'm afraid heaven is not the def- the default destiny for us all. Now, Hollywood in its many films, would imply different. It's actually quite a serious point, but sometimes you almost find it amusing, even if there are... Someone like Darth Vader (laughs) in Star Wars, somehow by the end, he manages to end up uh, in what looks like a fairly paradisical place, where I think he's with Obi whatever he is, <laughs> standing there, even though all the wicked things he's done, somehow he does a few good things at the end, and there he is. Or Gladiator, when the guy dies in the ring, he goes to be with his family. It, it's all quite sentimental, and it's quite um, tasteful, you could argue. But the implication is, this is the default destination for any of us pretty well, whatever we've done. Um, and it's, it's a, I'm afraid it's not true. It's a false implication. Heaven is not the default destination. We're headed for a place that the Bible describes as perishing. The Bible describes as out of darkness. It's, it's grim and it's scary, but you don't need to go there. But the problem is we're already on the wrong course. God wants to provide us with a way onto the right course for life and the right way with the right destination. God has made us responsible and accountable human beings. The gospel that I'm talking about is sufficient for the whole world, is sufficient for all of us, but it only becomes efficient for those who respond to the invitation. Now, the king not only provides for you, he actually sends for you. In this story, he makes an awful lot of effort, as I think I've shown already, to come out and invite and and almost force people to pick up the invitation. He is calling you today. The question is, will you respond? So the third amazing truth I want to look at this morning from this parable is that this open, generous invitation of the gospel is rejected by many. Now, this is amazing when you stop and think about it. It's amazing in a way that almost seems a little bit daft but then parables are quite exaggerated as i said there's a sort of vivid cartoonish aspect to them in some ways because the king invites these people to a wonderful free banquet which is clearly a great honor everything is provided including even glorious robes to wear when you're there and having received that invitation a whole raft of people reject it let's remind you what it says verses five and six But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army, destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Dramatic sort of picture, but it's a dramatic thing and it makes a clear point. Incredibly, many people reject this invitation and some even persecute and kill the servants who come with the invitation. And you'd say that was exaggerated if it wasn't for the sad truth that historically, through the last 2000 years, many missionaries, evangelists and Christians who have brought simply this good news in the way that we're talking about it this morning, have brought this good news to people, have indeed been persecuted and even killed. It's a sober truth. And when people do that, they're not only rejecting those people, they're rejecting the king who sent them. And that's where the seriousness comes in that's reflected here. But it's nearly as incredible and probably much nearer to home that the reaction of the other invited guests in verse five is is one of indifference. They paid no attention. They went off one to his field, another to his business. It's shocking rudeness. It's shocking indifference. They actually think the king's invitation is not worth bothering about. It's not worth stopping their normal life for. It's not worth uh, hesitating in the harvest gathering or the business deal, whatever it is that's implied here. They have other things to do. Thank you very much. They can't be bothered. Now, actually, that also is amazing and shocking. And in fact, it's quite close to truth with thousands and thousands who hear the gospel and derive no benefit from it. They don't feel a need for it. They pay no attention to it. And they think, well, it's not for me. I want to get on with my business, get on with my daily life. Don't want to give any time to it. I don't particularly hate God. They're just indifferent. They think other things are more important and it's very low on their list. And it's a common state of mind. But actually, as the parable warns us, it's a dangerous one. Indifference and neglect will take you into the darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is a vivid picture of regret, as surely as the aggressive persecution. You don't have to be a God-hater. You don't have to be killing his servants to end up outside the banquet. That indifference has the same result. And that's quite a serious challenge to all of us. When you hear the gospel, don't pay no attention to it, please. Don't dismiss it as irrelevant to your life not worth bothering about, at the very least, give it very serious consideration. As he, even as I speak to you today, God is a God of grace. That means free gift offered to you, offered to me. But one old writer, an old writer of three or four hundred years ago, said this, and it's a bit of wisdom. He said, Matthew Henry's name, he said, grace despised is grace forfeited. That's interesting, isn't it? Grace despises, grace forfeited. God's grace is not automatic. We have to receive it. We have to take the invitation on board. The invitation goes out and there's no preconditions of things like social class, race, intelligence, gender, financial resources, ethical standards. um, The list could go on and on. The bad as well as the good. It actually says in this parable. I hope you notice that sentence. But there is one condition. You must accept the invitation. Now. I think that's quite sobering and uh, I hope it's also encouraging because, as I've said, you can accept it. And so in a few moments when I finish, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to pray if you wanted to and accept the invitation. And it is actually quite simple, just like accepting an invitation saying, yes, I'll go, I'll be there. And in this parable, you didn't even have to have the right clothes. The king provided them. That's for another day to talk that through. So as we come to a close, let me just remind you of the three things I've said. God and his kingdom and heaven are pictured as a glorious wedding banquet. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be fun. That's a picture of it. And God wants his house full. He's not looking to just have a specialist minority in there. The invitation has gone out far and wide to all and it still goes out it's still going out today if you hear my talk you are invited thirdly and seriously if you reject the invitation you not only miss out on the party the eternal party but you stay on course for a pretty scary alternative we are already going to one destination or another that is the message we've seen. And just at the end, there is a, a little mysterious verse. It's verse 14, where it, it talks about many are called, cool, but only some are chosen. And sometimes people get a bit like tied up around that. and They say, oh, what's that mean? So I want to give a moment as I close to say this is honestly what I believe. And I think the Bible supports this divine call and human response always come together. So let me explain the call, the invitation is real, but our response must be real. This is not about like God, we're robots and God just chooses and decides. That's not the meaning of the parable. That's not how God puts these things. Let me just repeat it. The call is real, but so must the response be. Only a genuine response puts you among those chosen for the banquet. But be in no doubt your response is your responsibility. This invitation is absolutely open. And if you want to come, come to God, come to Jesus, come to the banquet. You can. As I close, I'm going to read two other verses which are not from this parable at all. They're from different places, but I want you just to hear them carefully. This is Acts 2 verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Couldn't be simpler, could it? You want to call on the name of the Lord. His heart is open. That's what we've seen in the parable. He's not trying to keep you out. He wants you in. And here's another one from Revelation 22:17. It's a mysterious book, Revelation. But this bit is very clear. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Just hear the words and respond. I'll repeat that last sentence again. Let the one who is thirsty come. If you're thirsty, you can come. And let the one who wishes just choose to take the free gift of the water of life. It's an open invitation. And God wants you to take it up. So I'm going to help you if you want to do that, to think how you pray and ask God to accept you and accept his invitation. So I'm, I'm going to sort of pray a prayer which you can pray with me. And if you do, I would just encourage you to make contact with City Church Bristol or or another church you might know or a Christian friend. I, I do think just. Making contact, telling someone you've done it helps seal the decision. So I would encourage you to do that. But this prayer, you could pray or follow through in your own way. And it's the way you accept the invitation. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe your invitation is real. I know I need forgiving. I need to be cleaned up. I need to be clothed in Jesus' righteousness, not my own. I believe Jesus provided everything I need. When he died and rose again, he gave me a fresh start. I humble myself and I gratefully accept your invitation. Dear Father, I want to come to your heavenly banquet. I want to be with you forever. I want your banner of love over me throughout eternity. So I do receive you, Lord, into my life. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, in Jesus' name, Amen. So Bristol, City Church Bristol, I do pray that God will help you to do what the servants do in this um, parable to get out there and invite people to Jesus events and tell them about the open invitation. And if you find people a bit negative and reject it, move on to others with good grace and a cheerful heart, because there are people out there all around you who need this and who will come to God's great banquet. So I'm just going to pray for you as I close that God will just help you in this unusual time to find it a fruitful time for sharing the good news about Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for City Church Bristol. Thank you for many friends there. Lord, thank you for their open heart, their desire to share the good news about Jesus with everyone. I pray, Lord, that you would give every member of this church opportunities to show your love to others, to share the good news of the gospel with others, to bring that open invitation to come to all sorts of people, to those in their neighborhood, to those in the workplace, to relatives and friends. Lord, just inspire them and give them boldness and Holy Spirit lead them. Lead them for divine appointments, just to be in the right place at the right time to share something of your love with others. I ask that in Jesus name.